Good morning, my name is Bill Malone. I'm community care pastor here at Mannheim BIC Church. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer right now. Um, it's, we don't often do this, but we've had uh, four people in the church in the last probably month and a half or so diagnosed with cancer. And it's just one of those things that it just struck me during the week. It'd be good to, to just have a prayer for them and um, other people dealing with other issues, things going on. So will you join me as I lead us in prayer? Lord, thank you that you are uh, a great God and great is your name. And so we look to you at times like this when we're just aware of sometimes just feels like an onslaught of sorts um, with health issues, some people with having storm damage to their homes in the last couple months, all these sort of things, Lord, they, they do get to us. So we look to you for your strength, for your working, for your use of us and others of your people in providing support, prayer, all the things that are necessary, especially for the people dealing with cancer right now. I pray that you will give them strength, some as they heal from surgeries already, um, others facing treatment, um, other things going on. Lord, we pray for your touch on their bodies and your working in them. Lord, thanks for, that we can look to you in our prayers, and we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're in a series of messages that we're calling A Life of Welcome, and it's just simply looking at God's call to us as his people to live that kind of life. Today our focus is um, welcome on the way, and the idea of it is that we look to be welcoming to others in whatever the path in life that we're on takes us. In other words, we can welcome people into our homes and churches, but we can also bless people at work, at the grocery store, at the library, at a Friday night football game, whatever we're doing, wherever we're at, um, God can use us to just show some sort of kindness to people wherever we're at. A story from Jen Schmidt, uh, the woman who is the author of the Bible study that we're basing this on, gives a good idea of what, what this is about. Um, she and her husband, and at that point, two small children had moved to North Carolina from Wisconsin. And even though it had been long planned and prayed through, she was hit, and, and any, any of you have moved from out of state, you understand this, just got hit with a sense of isolation and homesickness, those kinds of things. Here's how she put it. She said, I didn't know that if I stayed hunkered down with our two small children, I'd slip deeper into isolation. So I challenged myself to step out of my comfort zone. I packed up my diaper bag and visited a local mom's group. Right? Those of you young moms, you understand that one, right? Um, she said, it took three visits, but one, one woman sought me out and invited me to a play date at the park. She ushered me to a picnic table, and while the kids played, she breathed life into the soul-weary mama. And you get it, right? Nothing complicated, just inviting someone who needed some adult conversation, if nothing else, um, but just time together. And as she tells the story, she was surprised at how much she needed it and how much she appreciated that simple act of kindness, as well as the difference that it made for her. And a couple things stand out from the story. The first, from her perspective, the author, the one who was the recipient of the kindness, she recognized her own need, and she did something about it. And what really stands out to me is that she stuck at it. Three visits to a, a mom's group, 
um, not just the one and given up. She, she stuck at it. Um, she went out of her way and, again, didn't give up. The second thing, the perspective of the mom who invited Jen to hang out and have some of that adult conversation while the kids played. All it was, she was being alert to someone who was there and just had some sort of need. Not quite sure how she figured it out, but she just took the initiative. She saw it, took the initiative, and did something simple and yet hugely important. See, this is what it means to welcome on the way. Simple acts of kindness. Not being complicated, but just simply being alert for the people that God has put around us and whatever we might be able to do for them. One of the verses that puts us well is Romans 12, verse 1, from the message. It's on the screen. And here's what it says. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And I just love the way that puts it. It sums it up really well, that what, what this is about. Wherever we are in life, whatever we're doing in the places where we are, we want to have God work through us in extending a welcome in all sorts of ways to the people that we come across. The other scripture we're using today is Matthew 28 and verse 19. And it's one more example of this idea as well, uh, of welcome on the way, but it might not be in the usual way that we, we look at it. So if you have your Bible or device, um, you're welcome to turn there, Matthew 28, 19. Well-known verse, and we're just taking the, the, the one piece of it. Jesus came and told his disciples, go, or as you go, make disciples of all the nations. Now, we know that one, right? Make disciples, Jesus' great commission. We've, we've heard it before. But it's important to give some quick explanation of this verse and why it fits into what we're talking about. The go in this verse, and this is true of most translations that I've seen, make it sound as though go is the primary command. In other words, what Jesus, if this is the way it should be understood, what Jesus is saying is he's telling his disciples, go, go, right? Go somewhere different. Make your way to somewhere. And as you're doing that, make disciples. But that's actually not the way that it's meant. The actual command, the primary command from Jesus is to make disciples. And in the original language, the intention is having gone, or like it says on the screen, as you go, make disciples of all the nations. As you go, it can be understood as traveling, living, walking, journeying, all those ordinary kinds of things. The point is, wherever we are, Having gone to wherever we, whatever place we're at, whether it's close to home or moving because of a job or like Andrew and Crystal Good leaving in eight days to go back to Papua New Guinea, moving intentionally for the purpose of seeing disciples made there, wherever we are, we want to just let God use us to reach people. That, that's it, plain and simple. Now this also, though, provides us with a purpose behind it, the mission. Why do we do these kinds of things. Well, being welcoming and showing kindness to other people, God knows we need it in our country right now. It's just a lot of hostility, it just seems like constantly. But this goes beyond it, right? As we go wherever we are in our life, showing those kinds of kindnesses, showing welcome to people, um, that's how God can use us to bring people 
to himself. The intriguing thing, I've been a believer for over 40 years, and, and as I've watched and heard people's stories, God uses all sorts of things to draw people. I, I get surprised by the stories sometimes that I hear. And so the point is, you might think what you're doing, what's this all about? What does it matter? Well, it does. It really does. Um, God can use it to bring people to faith, but then to continue to grow as his disciples. Because what this is about is showing kindness, being a blessing to people, whether they're believers or not, whether they're seeking God or not, whatever it might be, God can use us and wants to use us in those kinds of ways. Now, one thing that might come to mind for some of you is that when we think of different places, whether around the country or around the world, there are different types of welcomes that we can give with a number of factors that come into play. This is one I understand for myself. I've spent considerable parts of my life in three different places. Um, it's just part of my story, and I've experienced this firsthand, the kinds of ways that we can bless people and show kindness. I was born and grew up in San Diego, part of the country where it's relatively easy to get to know people, I think the reason for that is um, I'm one of those rarities. I was born there. Um, there's so many people that move out from out of state there for what reason? The weather, right? Um, and it really is good. I know I'm biased, but it really is good there. Um, San Diego is probably one of the best places that way. But the point is there's a lot of people that are not from around there. And so there's so many, it's sort of like, well, we, got to get to, we, we have to get to know people, and so there, it's, it is a little bit easier to get to know people that way. I met my wife, Julie, at a church camp in Lancaster County in 1980. I was spending a summer serving in a church in the northeast of the country, um, and not thinking, <laughs> I remember hearing that I was gonna be part of a camp in Pennsylvania. I thought, oh good, one more state I can visit not knowing that I'm going to meet the woman that I'm married to and moving here um, a few months after that. I quickly discovered Lancaster County is very different from San Diego. <laughs> if you didn't know that already, it is. <laughs> um, I married a Lancaster County farm girl. Much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Stories I could tell with that. Anyway, so... Again, I, I've lived here now for a, a, lot, a lot of years. And then as our family was coming along, we lived for nine years in England. I remember telling an Amish neighbor of Julie's parents that, that we were back from England on one of our trips back, and he said, oh, New England. No, England, across the sea, right? Very different, different place. Um, and I think it's safe to say that, and I was part of a, a two churches um, serving, serving in those churches. I think it's safe to say that of all the, the three places where I've spent a lot of time where I've lived, England was the hardest to get to know people. Um, the weather is definitely not San Diego. Um, the weather is definitely not Lancaster County. Um, it is wet. And if you like, if you like rain, move to England. <laughs> you're you're going to get plenty of it. Um, but what we found, we lived there nine years, and now with the, the community connections that we had, with our church connections, there's a lot of very special friends that we have, and we still have some of them when they come to the states. They make their way to Lancaster County, and so it's, it's been a, a lot of very special connections that way. One story to go along with our time in England, 
When we first moved there in 1986, we lived in a county called Devon in the southwest of England. And we were in a Baptist church in a small town, sort of rural setting. We lived in what we would call here a row house. And at the other end was a man who at, the, at, at that time was probably in his early 70s. He'd been widowed a few years earlier. And we'd talk at different times. I'd walk by his place as I was going home. Um, and sometimes I'd stop in to see him. And on one occasion, I asked him if I could pray for him. And he said, yeah. And when I finished my short prayer, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, no one has ever prayed for me before in my life. And I was just staggered at that. It's like, oh my goodness. Seriously, 70 plus years and no one that he knew of had ever prayed for him. And so that's something that stuck with me um, for obviously 30 plus years, especially because he died not long after that. Um, now, the, the reason we put the photo up on the, uh, on the screen, he was a photographer. Not sure if it was his career or if it was a hobby, but he, um, he said, just again, after getting to know us, he said, can I come and take some photos of you and your family? So that has been a very special one. Now, the only downside of some black and white um, film that he had at the time is my daughter's very bright red hair doesn't show up. Um, but this is a treasured photo for us of our young family at the time. Just something simple. And out of it is we've got this photo. Um, now, we've been back in Lancaster County for 20 years. We moved back then. And even though Julia and I are fully integrated into life here, we've still been impacted by the different places where we've lived. And it plays into the way that we interact with other people along our way. And one thing to say is, again, I married a Lancaster County farm girl. So when I moved here, I had a family connection that made it a little bit easier to get to know people. But here's the thing, and this would especially be true for those of us with family connections. We need to look and be very intentional of reaching to people who don't have those family connections because they desperately need them. All of us do. Um, those of us with family connections are sort of built in. You know, we've got them. And it really, really is important around here when we can just get caught up in our own sort of groups and family and all of that. Just look out for the people around us and do whatever we can to reach out. And just, again, showing some sort of act of kindness, some welcome to them. Now, beyond the two scriptures that we've already looked at, the idea of welcome on the way builds on the example of Jesus, that he regularly ate meals with people. You read through the Gospels, you think, man, he was constantly eating and just mixing it up with people. Um, he offered a welcome to many people and especially to the outcasts, and he invited people to follow him. But here's the thing that we can easily miss from all these stories, that Jesus himself never had a home. So he's inviting people to eat, he's inviting people to follow him, he's offering these welcomes but he didn't have a place of his own when he was doing all that. You always have to think, what did the people that were serving the food think when Jesus is inviting people to come and eat? You got all these extra mouths to feed, right? Um, you think of the story of Matthew, the, the author of the first gospel. He was a tax collector, and the story is Jesus called him and said, come follow me. And Matthew, now that one... He just sort of invited a bunch of people, but Jesus invited some too. And so you got this big party going on, basically, and Jesus, again, offering a welcome, but without his own home. 
When he welcomed people, it happened wherever he was, on the way. It, he, just, he just did it. Sometimes it can come across as an apparently random conversation. If you read through the Gospel of John, chapters 3 and 4, chapter 3 is a very religious man, Nicodemus. Chapter 4 is a, a very non-religious woman, a Samaritan woman, not part of that Jewish culture and life. And yet Jesus interacted with them in, in amazing ways. And it's really worth looking and, and seeing what we can gain from those kinds of interactions and the welcomes that he gave because he did it in very different ways with the people that he came across. So with this in mind, it's illuminating to look at a few of the welcomes that Jesus offered to people at different times. The consistent thread through these scriptures we're going to look at very briefly is the word come, right? Come and do something. It's the welcome that Jesus offered. So the first one, Matthew 4, verses 18 and 19. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore, he saw two, two brothers and called out, out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. So the invitation here is to two fishermen brothers who Jesus already knew, Simon and Andrew, they're identified, and it was for them to follow him. But what we want to notice here is that it took place while they were working. I think it says they were cleaning their nets. So they, they'd done their fishing. Jesus is just walking along and speaks to them in their own language, but in a very unique way, because you don't fish for people. You fish for fish. But he still used their language. Second invitation, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. These well-known words. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And this is a wide-open invitation for any of Jesus' followers. I think it's why it's so special for all of us still today. Um, we find ourselves worn down by all that comes in life, and it's just simply to come to Jesus and find rest, that there are ways that he can give us rest in this weary kind of world that we live in. The next invitation from John chapter 1. It ties into what we said earlier about Jesus not having a home of his own. Um, and the story picks up with two men asking him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. They went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. So this invitation was just simply a response to the question about where he was staying. Um, just, just as simple as that. And like with inviting people to meals, you have to wonder, what did the host where Jesus was staying think that he's inviting other people? And yet at the same time, what is, what's really interesting that culture is a very hospitality-based culture, and so it would not have been out of the ordinary to just simply invite someone to come. In fact, it was worse if you didn't, or if they got there and you couldn't take care of them. It, it was a very much hospitality-based culture. But again, they simply went along to where he was staying, no doubt had a very good conversation with him. The next one, John chapter 7, took place at the Jewish festival called the the pardon me, Festival of Tabernacles or Shelters. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. One of the activities at that point in the festival, at the end of it, was a symbolic pouring out of water. So one of the priests or somebody in that part of, of Jerusalem would get a container of water, and pour it out. 
And the idea was in that very dry place that there was symbolism there for people to drink, but it's a spiritual kind of drinking. That was, that was the thought of it. Now, Jesus' intention a little bit further on, and we, we might miss it if we didn't have the explanation, was that he was actually speaking of the Holy Spirit that those who believed in him would receive after he was glorified. And so he took this, this pouring out of water and used it to draw people, again, welcome people who would believe in him. And the last of the invitations, John chapter 21. is After his resurrection, and Jesus was getting together with some of his disciples after they'd been fishing all night. Um, no success, um, but he told them to give it one more try. And they had a, a huge success, a lot of fish that they caught. And this part of the conversation is what followed. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. I especially like this one. Come and have breakfast. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Nice and simple. And especially those of you who are fishermen here, right? Especially if you've not had a real good time of it, invite somebody out for a meal, right? And, And look for the conversation that can come because that's what Jesus did. He used the conversation that... The the meal as a means to have a good conversation. In fact, a very significant one with the Apostle Peter. So the point of all of this is to show that Jesus welcome on the way this, this thing that we can do ourselves. It's just extending a blessing and kindness to people, regardless of where we are, what we're doing. We're just going through our regular everyday life. It's something Jesus did regularly. That was just part of his ordinary practice. See, we don't want to get hung up on the Pinterest-worthy type of hospitality where you've got to have beautiful spread and all of that. Um, sometimes that's good. You know, some of you do it really well, too, um, and that's awesome. But for the rest of us, whatever we can do wherever we're at, that's the, the kind of thing. That's what hospitality is all about, this welcome. Again, remember, Jesus did it without having a home of his own. And we can do the same thing, again, in all sorts of ways. God uses, again, all sorts of means to reach people. And that includes just simply being alert to the people that we come across. We don't need to complicate things. It's all very straightforward. But it does require alertness, and it requires intentionality. We've just got to keep our eyes open and be willing to do whatever we can. Now, I want to finish with several stories. Natalie Weaver is going to come up front and read the stories They're ones that I've been involved in in my role here at the church. And so they do have some of that flavor. We've wanted to use um, different stories uh, as we've been doing this series. Now, again, because of my type of role, we aren't using any names, just the situations that, four stories that people from the church have been involved in and the ways that they just showed a welcome on the way with the people that they're around. So I hope you'll be encouraged um, as you hear these stories. Thanks, Natalie. Several months ago, one man was reaching out to someone at work, which included having some good conversations about faith. He described her as someone who often went out of her way to help other people, and yet she had hit a tough place herself and needed some help. So he and some of his coworkers began giving her rides as needed and pulled together some gift cards to help with buying food. They reached beyond their own circle to secure additional help from the church and community. 
A family from out of state moved next door to one of our church families. The household included the, hus the husband's mother, who passed away shortly after they had relocated. The MBIC family helped their new neighbors, who had few other local connections, to get in touch with the church about assistance with the funeral. The service ended up being held at a local funeral home on a cold, sunny day in February, with Pastor Bill officiating. A young couple from the church was talking with their neighbors, another young couple, who shared that the man had been diagnosed with illness that kept him from working, and they were getting behind with some payments. The MBIC couple began assisting them from personal funds and connected them with the church, which also was also able to help with a car payment from December's Giving Tree collection. A woman from the church heard about a local family who had lost everything in a fire, although no one was hurt. As often happens with a house fire, the smoke is as destructive as the fire, and they were needing a lot of help. The MBIC woman's family stepped in with assistance, and the church and community were also able to help with financial aid and practical needs. Thanks, Natalie. So again, those are just a few stories of ways that people along the way, right, just showed some sort of help, showing a kindness, blessing people. Again, co-worker, somebody, a neighbor who experienced a death, illness, fire. As they were rubbing shoulders with people as they're going through life, right, um, they're just simply, they were simply keeping alert to the people around them and what they could do to help. Use their own time and resources and reach out to me as well in different ways. It's all part of it. It's all part of just simply showing that kindness to reach to people wherever they are, wherever we are, and just seeing God use us in all sorts of ways. I want to put this verse back up on the screen. Romans 12:1 in the message. It just sums everything up so well with what we've been thinking about. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best, best thing you can do for him. So will you join me as I pray? Lord, I pray you will use us. Use us to bring your welcome through all sorts of ways, all sorts of things that any of us can do. I pray you'll use us as we rub shoulders with people. Sometimes it's going to be people that are very difficult and, and frankly, sometimes annoying. Sometimes it's going to be friends, sometimes family. Whatever it might be, I pray you'll use us. Lord, we pray that you'll be honored. And as you reach people in ways sometimes we don't we can't even begin to recognize. I pray you'll, you'll use us. Lord, thank you for doing this kind of thing. Thank you that, again, you work, and I pray that you'll use us. In Jesus' name, amen.